Well, hello there. I'm so glad you're here. And if this is your very first episode, welcome. I'm glad you're here as well. And I hope that you stay a while and that we can continue to learn and grow together. Before we get into today's episode, I will say today's episode is going to be a mix of a rant, something I feel very, very passionate about. So hopefully I don't start yelling in the microphone. (laughs) And no promises, no promises. I'll do my best though. So it's going to be a mix of a rant and also some education in the way that we understand food and the way that we shift our mindset about food. And before we get into today's episode, I want you to go back and listen to last week's episode because last week I talked about three signs and symptoms that you may need to eat more food and reverse diet. I mentioned in that episode that I have to reverse diet about 40% of the clients that I work with for nutrition. And as I thought about that all week, and then some other things have happened in the last couple weeks with um, interactions with other people who do fitness or just conversations or seeing things, it just really made me think, why are people fearful of food? Why am I reverse dieting 40% of the people who come to me because they're not eating enough food? Why have we been taught to fear carbs, to fear fat, or to fear having a simple treat? And why is this just happening in general? We have become so obsessed as a society with doing it perfectly and, you know, making everything just right that our relationship with food is suffering. It is really suffering. And we are just have this negative connection with food. And I've learned through my experience, which is what I want to talk about, in understanding how the body actually digests food makes a massive difference in healing our relationship with food, in preventing needing a reverse diet in the future. It can help us see why we actually need a reverse diet, why we need to eat more food, because that concept alone is really hard for me to get people to grasp sometimes when I'm saying we need to give you more food and they're like, "Mm -mm, no, ma'am, I'm not doing that. So if I can get you to understand how your body uses food and what your BMR is doing and how it benefits you, I'm more likely to get people to have a good relationship with food, improve their relationship with food, go into a reverse diet or prevent them from having to go into reverse diet down the road because they're not under eating now. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. As always, if this episode is helpful, do not forget to share it with your friends on social media, with other people in the industry, so we can get a better relationship and a better grasp of how our body uses food for our benefit. And it's not always just bad and negative and avoid and demonize and just see it a little bit differently. And I want to give a shout out to Abby. She did a review titled Keep Doing What You're Doing. I love Andrea's podcast. She truly simplifies things so well for her listeners to understand. I've learned so much from you and love the guests you have on. I'm so excited for new episodes. It's like a new episode of a TV series for me. I'm not one to leave reviews, but I know it'll help you grow and really want to support you and your beautiful family. XOXO Abby. It's A-B-I. Thank you so much for the review. As you know, it does make a huge difference from the show. It helps us grow. It helps me be able to serve you better. And truthfully, I love hearing from you. It helps encourage me. So if you have a topic you want to hear about, if you learn something from an episode, please let me know. And before we get into today's episode, you know I am a massive fan of protein. I talk about it in a lot of episodes and on my social media handle. And for me, an easy way to make sure I'm getting enough protein in is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a subscription of different 
high-quality meats that gets delivered directly to your door every single month. They have 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, wild-caught salmon, and humanely raised no antibiotics or no added hormones in their meats. They use a variety of different farmers, and I love it because I can pick the size of my box so it's curated for your family for the amount that you need. And I'm super busy, so I don't always have time to go to the grocery store. I feel like every Sunday we want to have a high-quality meal, and I'm so thankful that I have some good meat in my freezer because I always forget to go to the store on Saturday or order it ahead of time, and we can pull out easily a roast or steaks or chicken, whatever we've ordered, and it just makes it so easy. The prices actually are really good too, unless you're like massively searching deals and steals and some of those things, they have a very competitive price. We've used them for about two years now. And the best news is if you sign up now in your first box, you get a free turkey in your first order. Yes, a 10 to 15 pound turkey in your first order. All you have to do is go to butcherbox.com slash make it simple and you can claim your deal. Enter the subscription you want. It comes to your house every day. It's in a nice cold box so it's easy if it's left on your porch for like an hour or so. We live in Arizona, so that's like a big deal for us. I know most other places it's not. But again, go to ButcherBox, B-U-T-C-H-E-R-B-O-C.com slash make it simple and get a free turkey for Thanksgiving because it's coming up in your next box. I will also add that in the show notes, a direct link because, I mean, seriously, who doesn't want a free turkey for Thanksgiving? All right, let's get into today's episode. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information, and you're busy and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed, so I have made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here, and I hope you stay a while. All right, so as I said, this is going to be a little bit of education mixed with a rant. And that's basically because I'm very passionate about this. It really means a lot to me. And in the almost 10 years now that I have been macro coaching, I just have really shifted and developed and changed and see food even in a different way than I did when I started and a much different way than when I went to school for it, when I went to school for public health education, when I got my AFA certification, which was to teach group fitness, when I got my certification for NASM, even the way that I've learned and grown in recent years has shifted. And as that shift happens and I work to teach people to see food differently and understand how our body uses food, I have a pet peeve, an issue that I see online that I am going to address as we educate today and talk about a couple things. I've seen a lot of fitness professionals bash macronutrients lately, bash tracking macros. Here is my beef with this. Macros is simply a way of being aware of what you are eating using proteins, fats, and carbs. Macronutrients, which macros is short for that, is not a diet on its own macronutrients is scientifically how your body is breaking down food. 
So when we're like, macros are stupid, it's like, okay, then the way your body digests food is stupid because that's what that is. That is how we scientifically break down the food we put in our bodies. No diets, no gimmicks, no nothing. Every single thing you put in your mouth breaks down to a protein, fat, or carb. Now, there may be variation in there, simple carbs, complex carbs, but at the end of the day, it still breaks it down the same proteins, fats, and carbs. When you learn to label foods as proteins, fats, and carbs, you reduce the stigma around certain foods because you are not labeling them as good and bad anymore. This is like a major centerpiece. I feel like everyone should understand for their nutrition, and it's a major centerpiece that I teach my clients. The very first week, I'm like, okay, food is not good or bad. Food is a protein, fat, and carb. Simple, end of story. That is how our body uses it. Now, here's the deal. Most diets demonize a certain type of food. They will do all low carb or no carb. They will do all low fat. Many diets will even say, don't eat treats when you're doing this or only have a, you know, in quote unquote parentheses, a cheat meal. The problem with all of this is it's creating fear. We're demonizing a food, we're kicking a food out, and we're failing to see that that mindset is not long lasting because food is enjoyable. Fat, eating fats is enjoyable. Eating carbs is enjoyable. Eating a treat is enjoyable. I don't want to the rest of my life be scared to eat those because the problem is they're going to be a part of my life. And if I can't figure out how to manage them and have them in moderation, and I'm always labeling them as bad, on a regular basis, I'm going to feel like I'm failing. And that is what is happening to people because we are labeling things that way instead of scientifically the way your body digests food. Now, this is what really irks me and gets my blood boiling. In fact, when I had seen this recently, I <laughs> I have a, a couple of my coaches know me pretty well and I have a really good friend. And when I watched something said online in someone else's stories and some other stuff about um, macros being bad and then proceed in their information to give guidelines and, you know, plate portions and some other things, my blood, to say my blood was boiling is an understatement. Like I was pacing my house. I was pacing my neighborhood. I was pacing the city. I was probably pacing the United States of America. I was so heated. And this is why. Because these same people who are saying macros is bad, you know, are also giving strict guidelines to follow. Like don't eat after six. Don't worry about don't worry about being aware of your macros, but don't eat after six. Or let's do a plate portion. Let's eat half of your plate in vegetables and a protein, and then there isn't, for example, any fat included on the plate portion. Or let's eat protein and fat, and in your meals, avoid carbs or simple carbs. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. But the point is there are clear-cut portions and demonizing or exclusion of something. Now, here is my issue with this, and this is what I want you to understand because the rest of your life, you are going to hear things. You are going to be told something is terrible. Don't ever have it. You are going to hear plate portions and guidelines and rules and all these different things. But here's my issue. For these rules, plate portions, whatever that people sometimes suggest, I want to know, how does this work for someone who is five foot compared to someone who is six foot? How does this work for someone who is 120 pounds compared to 250 pounds? How does this work for someone who's 25, who has a faster metabolism? Because when we're younger, yeah, we have a faster metabolism compared to 45 or 50 when the metabolism can slow down. 
How does this work for someone who has a lot of muscle? Because muscle takes a lot more food to maintain compared to someone who has very little muscle. It doesn't. That's the point. Strict rules and guidelines and plate portions do not account for the individual. It puts everyone in the exact same box. And then we're wondering why things aren't working. We're following set meal plans. Again, how does that account for the individual? If you can get a meal plan in a book, that doesn't make sense. Because if you are 300 pounds compared to someone who's 100 pounds and you're following the same meal plan, that may not be effective because that meal plan might not be a fit for you. There's so many things about that where we're putting people in the same box with guidelines and plate portions and strict meal plans where everything's written out for you exactly. Another reason why this doesn't work is it doesn't take into account our current situation, our current food journal, which is something I always check on every client to see what they're already doing. It doesn't take into account workouts and it doesn't take into account body types, which all matter. I will say, I do talk about naming your plate to see macros. The purpose is for you to include all of them, not to kick out one of them or not to be a strict rule, but for you to see all the macros on your plate to make sure you're getting a variety. That's very different than being a strict rule where there's portions and it's massively limiting you or not including one of them. So it's a little bit of a different view of it in that I teach people that in the beginning, as you're trying to learn to recognize it, just name everything that's on your plate as a protein, fat, and carb. My second issue is with strict guidelines, with meal plans that have it all laid out, with plate portions, with any of those things, if you're following your neighbor's diet that she's doing, and then all of a sudden you're going to do the exact same thing she's doing, and it has some very clear-cut food rules like plate portions. How does that fit in an enchilada? How does a slice of pizza fit into these portions? How does ice cream fit in? If I can't figure out how to put every single food that I put in my mouth into it and include it in moderation with the rules, portions, and guidelines you've given me, then I can't live that lifestyle and neither can you. Because an entire food group or an entire item of things you may love that don't fit those perfect portions and guidelines is not explained or shown how to include it. I feel no shame when I have ice cream because I don't label ice cream as good or bad. So I feel nothing when I have it. I feel no shame when I'm eating a Reese's cup. If I have to feel shame when I'm eating a Reese's cup, then I don't want to be right because I eat one every single day, the holiday cups. And I don't want to get on the boat if that's the case. I will stay on land and I will be just fine eating my Reese's cup knowing no big deal. I just had a fat and a carb. Not good, not bad, not anything. Fat and carb, move on with my life. No reason to feel shame. No reason to feel guilt. No reason to feel like I've fallen off my guidelines or fallen off my diet plan of my my meals laid out or fallen off a plate portion because that is simply living an 80-20 life and you're just enjoying something in that window. There's no shame. There's no guilt. So as you are thinking about eating, and this is how I look at it, I want you to start looking at foods this way. Instead of good and bad, label them as proteins, fats, and carbs. And I need to explain why this matters, to see food as these, because we are demonizing certain foods and why it doesn't make sense. When I'm eating a carb, carbs are great. Carbs give us energy. Carbs help us to run. They help us to lift more weight. In fact, they are part of what carries the protein to the muscle to make you stronger. The stronger you are, you know the metabolism moves faster. Vegetables are a carb. Sugar is a carb as well. And so is a sweet potato. They're all carbs. As you can see, 
they're all very different. So labeling a carb as bad doesn't make sense because those all fall into the same category as a carb. If I'm eating a fat, fat helps stabilize my hormones. Fat helps build my membranes. Fat helps keep you full. It really helps with satiation. So it makes a huge difference. An avocado is a fat. So is butter. If I'm eating a protein, good adequate amounts of protein are super essential for optimum bone mass. And that is helpful when someone is growing. So for kids, making sure they're getting enough protein because it's going to help them grow. And also, so sorry, I butchered that sentence. And also for preserving bone and muscle mass when we age. We need to keep strong bones and muscles as we get older. We can prevent falling. We can prevent so many things. The stronger muscles lead to stronger bones. And strong bones help minimize our risk of osteoporosis. So that is definitely a win. Protein is good for us. It helps with our hair, skin, and nails, and so many other things. It is great. Now, protein hasn't been demonized like fats and carbs have, but it is still majorly undervalued. Now, the reason I showed you all three just now, I listed the benefits of a carb, a fat, and a protein. I listed something that you probably have on your quote-unquote good list as a carb and things you have on your bad list as a carb, and same for fats. And it's important to recognize they're still following into the same category. Hear me out. I do recognize that some foods are more nutrient dense and they add more vitamins and minerals and so many other positive things for us. I also know that some foods we will be sensitive to and we'll have sensitivities and it can create gut health problems. But my point in saying all of this and explaining it this way is that we should be aware of how we're feeling or how things make our body feel, and then adjust accordingly to our own personal needs. And that's why listening to your body really matters. Because while we can break down foods into proteins, fats, and carbs, you still need to pay attention to what is making you feel good, what your body is feeling. Like last week, I said, for a reverse diet, what are you feeling? Stop trying to cut your calories because Mary Sue is cutting her calories, Or stop trying to ignore that maybe you're hungry because someone else says, oh, you know, you have to be hungry to see changes. No, no, no. Pay attention to what you're feeling. That is your body talking to you. And the same thing happens when we're having nutrient-dense foods and we're looking at proteins, fats, and carbs and making sure we're including a variety in there or if we're sensitive to things and certain things may need to be reduced or even cut out based on how we feel and how our body reacts to them. So that's really important to be aware of. So yes, I'm breaking them into three categories, but you have to pay attention to how you feel and adjust accordingly. Here's a really good example of that. If I was paying attention to my macros and I was like, okay, I want to make sure I'm having, you know, proteins, fats, and carbs. If I ate all Twinkies for my fats and carbs all day long, maybe I had like five Twinkies, and then I had four protein shakes to get my protein in, I would not feel good. I would feel terrible. I'd be moody. I would crash. I would probably be sharp with people. I may have a bellyache. Like there's a lot of things. If I was sensitive to dairy or something like that, I may have even more bloating or whatever other reasons. So that's a perfect example of you still have to pay attention how you feel, even if you're having a variety and making sure that you are getting a variety. Now, on the flip side, if I choose to eat a cookie and I also include some great nutrient-dense proteins, fats, and carbs, I'm going to feel just fine, even with that cookie. I don't have to feel bad about it. I 
I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed that I had a cookie with my lunch because that's the point of an 80-20 lifestyle, 80% of solid nutrient-dense foods and then having some freedom but still seeing foods as proteins, fats, and carbs. We tend to think it's all or nothing. And most diets do teach us that it is all or nothing. You are all in or you are not on board. And that is incorrect. And macros can help show you that because you can start to see that you can add in that moderation. If you're just going on diets and you don't understand how your body digests food, you are going to continue to label foods as good and bad. And as I mentioned, this is going to create that guilt and shame. The problem with that is it leaves no room for moderation and it creates a lot of negative feelings around food. Then when you do have that food, you feel really bad, like really bad. And then you feel like, okay, well, if I already failed, I already had this food that was bad. Because of that, I'm just going to have five more of those foods. (laughs) I'm going to have five more cookies, 10 more cookies, whatever. I've already failed. I'm going to really enjoy this food. And then tomorrow I'm going to ban that food because it's bad again from my diet. And the cycle continues. Be aware. Are you doing that? I know you're probably thinking, she is really passionate about this. And I am very passionate about this because I've mentioned that I had a very unhealthy relationship with food in my 20s. I talked about it last week in that episode. I went to school for public health education. I have tons of nutrition certs. I took tons of nutrition classes. And if I'm honest, some of those classes in school actually taught me to fear food or taught me to label things. And I also kind of learned in school, which is kind of crazy, you know, the way to maintain weight was calories in over calories out. And that was king, which makes sense in some ways. But again, we're abusing it. We're not doing it correctly. And that is kind of the problem. Because of that, I would try to eat as little as possible. And then I would binge. I would lose my mind and have all the things I could literally have feel so ashamed. And the cycle would continue because I'd vow to never eat it again. And then I would just undereat for four days and repeat. For me personally, when I learned to understand how my body used food and how it digested proteins, fats, and carbs, and what macros were and macronutrients, I saw that eating in moderation was fine. If I chose to eat a cookie, it was fine. It fit right in in my fats and carbs, no shame, no guilt. So I feel passionate about this because not only do I see it with my clients, I learned it myself through firsthand experience, through being there, through feeling that immense guilt of not being able to do it, not having the willpower, in parentheses, to do it, which is garbage because I hadn't set myself up for success with understanding how my body digests the food. So in my professional opinion, I've learned if you give people a roadmap to learn to shift their view of food, they're going to have more success than just saying to them, well, just eat 80-20 or well, just realize that like food's not bad for you. Like that's really hard. That That's a little bit trickier. So I'm going to give you a simple roadmap on kind of just some simple suggestions. Now, Of course, I can't give you exact macros to help you because this is a podcast. And I would love to do that for everyone. I would love to look at everyone's food journals. I'd love to help them balance things out. But because it's a podcast, I'm going to give you a handful of suggestions that hopefully can be a simple roadmap for you to shift your view of food and realize that doing some diets and limiting and fearing food is actually really hurting you. So the first step, and a lot of these steps we've kind of gone over, but I'm just going to make them clear cut now, is first you need to see food for what it does for you. 
I've already listed some of the things that carbs and fats and proteins do for you. But if you are feeling negative about a food, about a food group, about carbs, about fat or whatever, get online and look up the benefits. Look how it helps your body. Read those over and over again. Think during the day. Okay, if I fear fat, you know what? Fat is actually balancing my hormones. Fat is actually allowing me to be full, which is allowing me to get more done in the day. Think of things that way and really immerse yourself in the benefits of proteins, fats, and carbs. Second, I want you to create awareness of your thoughts and feelings and fears around certain foods that you may even love and if you're feeling guilt around them. I want you to ask yourself, why do I feel guilt? Why is this matter if I have one slice of cake? Sit with that for a moment. Have you been taught that if you do that, you're a failure? Have you been taught that people in fitness, they don't eat cake because that's garbage. They do, okay? They do. Why do you feel that way? And try to realize that is not real, that having moderation is normal. Third, I want you to focus on eating a variety of foods and really creating mixing and matching with different meals with proteins, fats, and carbs. When you take time to mix and match all those, you start to view them all as almost a game of Tetris where we can mix and match and there's a lot more freedom in that instead of being like, what can I avoid? What can I make sure I'm not eating? Instead, learn to mix and match them. That's really going to make a huge difference in seeing the food differently. Fourth, I want you to weave in things you love with no shame. This is really hard. I want you to know I recognize that this is hard. For some people, I will say, you know what? If you can't weave those things in, that's okay. At first, let's just learn proteins, fats, and carbs. Let's learn, you know, how to be aware of them. And then slowly, let's start weaving in things. So it might be a process for you, but you can't just ban things you love because you've been told they're unhealthy or they're bad. You have to learn some moderation. Something that I tell all my clients that I do truly is I actually food prep cookie dough. Not healthy cookie dough, just cookie dough. Good old-fashioned cookie dough. I food prep it. I literally know the macros for it. Like I don't track macros anymore because I, I'm familiar and I'll kind of talk about macro awareness with intuitive eating now, but I food prep it. I know that like no big deal. I can have a ball of cookie dough. I like cookie dough. I know. Don't tell me I'm going to die because I'm eating raw eggs. I'm going to keep doing it no matter what, but I will easily food prep that. And then some days I'm like, you know what? I, I want a ball of cookie dough right now. I don't feel bad about it. And I don't feel shame about it, which prevents me from eating 20 of the balls of cookie dough at once. If you are learning and you are trying to figure that out, tracking your macros might be very effective for a short-term period. Because oftentimes we let our anxiety take over and say, no, you can't do that. Tracking macros can show you no big deal. You can just enter the ball of cookie dough into your macros and you can see that it fits. That is how I improved my relationship with food and how we try to teach it with clients to see, look, you can have moderation. Look, you can have that piece of chocolate. Look, it's no big deal if you had that scoop of ice cream or whatever it is. It's okay. It is okay. So sometimes actually tracking the macros can help you stop labeling food and you can see that why you are doing things and see how it fits instead of mindlessly following rules, plate portions, set meal plans, anything that's like really restrictive that you can't see how to maintain on a regular basis or see how to actually include a variety of different things into it or it cuts out something. And then from there, if you take some time to track for a little while and it does make a difference as you, as I mentioned last week, it can help you even realize if you're under eating. So sometimes 
I have clients who are under eating and they have no idea simply because they're busy. It's not always about meaning to, but they could just be busy. So sometimes tracking for three days, just three days can help them see, oh my gosh, I'm under eating. It can be the same thing when you're trying to see how to weave in moderation is if you track, you can see how to fit things in. I've even told clients like a quick tip when we are trying to learn to track is I'll say, put in in the morning, (laughs) put in something you love, put in a nice little treat that you love that's a normal moderate treat, put it in your app in the morning and then go about your day, you know, having your lunch, your snacks, your dinners, and the treat's already in there. It already fits in and then have it whenever you feel like it. And they see, oh my gosh, I can do this on a regular basis. And then that weaves them into moderation, which then my goal is to shift them into macro awareness with intuitive eating. This is where the lifestyle sets in. This is where we realize food is not our enemy and that we don't have to track, but we can see that we can mix and match foods and we can have moderation and it's not a huge deal. A simple example of how I've kind of learned to mix and match and not track is I know that I like to have carbs and protein after a workout because I want to build muscle and that is what helps build muscle. So After my workout, I'll always reach for a carb and a protein and have those directly after. I don't necessarily track macros anymore, but I know, you know what? After my workout, I want to make sure to have a carb and a protein. And for lunch, I'm going to make sure that I have a carb, a protein, and a fat because I want to make sure to have variety. Or, you know what? For lunch, I had a ton of carbs or a ton of fat. I'm going to make sure at dinner, you know, if I had a ton of carbs at lunch, at dinner to maybe have a little less carbs and more fat to kind of balance things out. And you see you're mixing and matching with intuitive eating, but macro awareness. And that's where you find the moderation. That's where you find the lifestyle. Not in crazy guidelines, not in strict plate portions where you don't even know, like, how do I put an enchilada on this plate? It's not half protein and it's not half veggies. Like, that's confusing. That confuses me. And I'm a nutrition coach and I don't even know how to do that. So be aware of that. Now, before we end this episode, I do want to point something out that I think is very important because I want to say also, even though I am passionate about people seeing that moderation and seeing how viewing food as proteins, fats, and carbs can help you, I do recognize that while macros is a simple way of seeing foods that way and evaluating them that way, it can also, like anything else, be abused. You can do a really low-calorie diet and track macros and be like, but I'm living the macro lifestyle. Well, you're not eating enough food still. Whether you're tracking macros or not, you're not eating enough. Your calorie intake is too low, so your macros across the board are too low. You can also kick out an entire macronutrient and track macros. I don't think that's very effective either. I think that's pushing you right back into the spot where you're demonizing a food and you're not recognizing how all of them can be helpful and help you. Also, I want you to be aware that most of the automated calculations online, even from a lot of the mainstream apps and stuff, they spit out very low numbers, very low numbers, which is why everyone's like, oh, I'm supposed to eat like 1,200, 1,300 calories. And I'm like, no, (laughs) you're not. That's not your maintenance. That is very low. And those calculations and a lot of those guidelines or even people who talk about that don't explain that we have a maintenance level, we have a cut level, which is a deficit, and we have a reverse level. So it's a cycle. You need to live your life in maintenance. You're not eating less, you're not eating more. It's a higher intake. You can do a short-term cut 
for typically four to 12 weeks typically where you might reduce, but then you need to reverse up to maintenance. Maintenance is where we live. Maintenance is a lifestyle. You do not live your life in a cut. And sometimes a lot of the automated calculations are all spitting out cut numbers, numbers that are a deficit, numbers that are even too low for a deficit, and then it can confuse people. So I would definitely be aware of that. And if you are trying to track macros and if you're aware of that, you can realize you need to be higher or using a coach can be very, very effective for that, especially one who looks at your food journals and sees what is going on in the first place before you even get macros to see your habits because your habits make a difference in what you need to shift to. And finally, when I'm talking about abusing macros, the truth is sometimes they're not for everyone. If you get obsessive when you're tracking, I wouldn't track. I would go back to intuitive eating with macro awareness. I would really focus there because people can swing like anything. You Same thing with exercise. Exercise is good for you. People can make exercise negative. <laughs> they can literally work out seven times a day and be like, but it's exercise. It's good for you. More of a good thing is not always a better thing. So be aware that if you feel obsessive, if you feel more restrictive, which there are people who can feel that way, to just shift to intuitive eating with macro awareness and be aware that you are adding proteins, fats, and carbs. In general, the number one thing I want you to take away from this episode is seeing food in a positive way. I talked about reverse dieting last week. I talked about signs. And this week, I wanted to talk about why we fear food and how if we shifted to see food in a positive way and see how proteins, fats, and carbs helped us and see how we can have 80-20 lifestyle, moderation lifestyle, but not labeling foods as good and bad, but labeling them as our body actually digests them can move us into intuitive eating with macro awareness, which is where we really find that lifestyle. So above all, if you walk away with anything today, please, please, please take some time and focus on how food helps you. Focus on how food makes you powerful. Focus on all of the benefits that it does for you. And if you can shift even that slight thought, you'll be amazed at how much more will shift over time. As always, you know I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You are doing better than you think you are. All right, we'll chat next week. <laughs>